it's never been said, but <coughs> most Sundays we're here at 9.45, ready to practice and just get our worship on. And you all are welcome to come and just be with us here. It just really brings you into the spirit of worship and prepares your heart and mind for the service. We have come before you bow our heads to you.
in, our, in the second part of Romans chapter 8. Um, last week we looked at the first 18 verses. Today we're going to look at the next nine or so. Um, but I want to remind you where we left off last week. Um, so we'll begin at verse 15, just and read through just to remind you where we were. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself, himself, testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We are, we have received the spirit of sonship. We have, the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God, that we are God's child. You have that witness in you. If the spirit of God is in you, you have that witness within you from the Spirit that says, you are my child. And we're going to... This is what makes the 8th chapter of Romans such a phenomenal chapter in the Bible. I will, because today, we're not even going to be done today. Next, the next time we're together, we're going to talk about uh, the latter part of the chapter, and it is, it, it's just it's tremendous. And uh, it actually calls for an attitude adjustment. <laughs> uh, calls for us to have, you know, have you ever, any of you have ever had an attitude adjustment? Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're necessary from time to time. In this, um, uh, the latter from verse 27, 28 on to the end of the chapter is an attitude adjustment for us. And we'll talk about that the next time. But here Paul writes and he says, if, if you're a child of God, then you're an heir. You're, you're, you're an heir of God. And you're co-heirs with Christ. Now, the Bible says that God has given all things to Jesus. So if you're a co-heir with Christ, that means that all things are yours as well. Now, we don't, we don't have all things now. We don't experience all things now. There's more for us to experience. He says... If we, if we indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, I know that in Western culture, uh, here in the United States, we, we try to avoid suffering at all possible costs. Okay? Now, that's just, that's just normal survival. I was reading um, in an article in a magazine that I get um, entitled, Israel, My Glory, and uh, that's, the name of the, that's the name of the magazine, Israel, My Glory. And uh, there was an article in that, in that magazine that goes, talks about the persecution of Christians in other parts of the world. And particularly in places like uh, the, the Middle East and in, in some places in Africa and, 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 and in China and some of those places where there... <laughs> I got to tell you something. In, in, there are countries. There are no fence sitters. In these countries, there are there are no part time Christians. There are no there are no Christians who um, are mediocre, or there are they they're not half hearted. They're not lukewarm, because you don't you don't put your faith in Christ knowing that when you do that, you could die for it because there are those who want to kill you because you have become a Christian. You don't do that in a half-hearted sort of way. You don't do it in a, in a very lethargic or very... Uh, without thinking through what the costs are, as Jesus said. And then within that article, there was a... There was a there was something that was written that came from 
some of the leaders of, the, of, of ISIS and what they are writing about the Muslim faith. And they're saying that one of the fundamental beliefs of, of Islam as they see it is the persecution of Christians. As a matter of fact, if you are, in their mind and in their opinion, if you, are, if you do not persecute Christians, you're not a true Muslim. Now, I'm not making a general statement there and saying that every, every Muslim feels that way. I'm just saying that that is, what, that is how they feel and how they look. And they're not satisfied with persecuting Christians, and they literally are putting Christians to death in, in many of these countries. Uh, what is labeled as genocide by the, by the news media is really Christian people being slaughtered for their faith. In, in, in Western culture, here in the United States, where we have things very easy, the idea of suffering for Christ is something that is, is kind of foreign to us. But I've been telling you for a long time, the time is coming when we're going to experience that. And there are a lot of Christians that when you say that, they just go, oh, oh no, no, no. We're, we're never going to have to go through that. And I say, <clears throat> my question is this. I literally asked this of someone one time. And the answer they gave just blew me away. I'm not going to talk about the answer. But I asked them this question because they just truly believed that there was no such thing as, as suffering and persecution for Christians in America. And I said, what makes you think that we are better than the disciples that walked with Jesus? Why are we as Christians better <clears throat> than the Christians Paul's writing to? Why are we better than the Thessalonican Christians who were suffering? Why are we better than the Christians in China? Does, does God love us more than He loves them over there? And so because He loves them, we're, just, we're not going to have to go through anything like that? <clears throat> so the... This, this is not a message on persecution. This is simply what, what Paul writes here. He says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. He's, he's talking about the fact that, that he writes at another place. He simply says this, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, I understand that that persecution comes in different ways. It doesn't always come with some policeman walking through the back door or a group of police or the SWAT team walking in with rifles saying, you know, all you Christians line up on that wall and, 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 and then you get interrogated and you get sent to prison or, you, or whatever. It doesn't always happen like that. Persecution, when you live, the Bible says, when you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. It simply means that if you're going to live according to the... Of, to the teachings of Jesus, there will naturally come a time when you will, when you will come up against the world who has different ideas of how to do things, and it goes di and it's diametrically opposed to what Jesus says. You don't even have to go up against the world. You can talk about certain things in churches. And you will have people come up against you because they don't want to believe like you believe. In one of our videos that we were watching in the men's group, we were, they were, it was, we were watching this video and it was about the idea of being nonviolent in your approach. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Jesus said, love your enemies. 
he said there was a, and the guy was preaching, and he said there was a pastor who began to preach the concept of being nonviolent and lost a thousand members that Sunday. He lost a thousand members that Sunday because there were people in his church that didn't want to believe the teachings of what Jesus taught and didn't see it that way, but he kept preaching it anyway. A thousand members in the church teaching the teachings of Jesus. Imagine what will happen when we live out the teachings of Jesus in the world. He said, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Now listen to what he says about the glory. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Here's what he's trying to say to us. He says, when I sit there and I put the scales out, and he said, and I, and I, and I put the sufferings on this side, and, and the sufferings, though they may last for a period of time, they are not eternal. And though they last for, and they may not be pleasant, they only last as long as the body lasts. He says, when I compare the weight of, e of the eternal blessings of being an heir with, a co-heir with Christ, when I lay that on the other side of the scales, it goes boom! Because the weight of the eternal glory that awaits us and that will be revealed in us far outweighs the suffering that could possibly take place. Jesus said that we should fear not who can harm the body, but fear who can harm the body and the soul. That's who you need to fear. You see, Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the glory that was set before Him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. See, Jesus was focused not on the suffering, He was focusing on the glory that lied ahead. So he says, I consider that our present sufferings, whatever it is that we may go through in order to live our lives according to the teachings of Jesus, whatever that suffering, however that may manifest itself, it is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation is waiting for the, in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. You and I, we are the children of God. We are the sons of God. And He's waiting for us to be revealed. Not in the sense that to find out who we are, but for that final time to come where God where God makes the decision and says, these are the ones who are mine. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Listen, if you go back into Genesis chapter 3, and in verse 17, I believe it is. I didn't put it in here in the PowerPoint. But in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, in response to Adam and Eve disobeying God and eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, this is what God said. This is what He said to them. Cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground 
because of you and what you have done. See, so many times as Christians, we, we think that the, the only thing that fell, the only thing that, res, that was the, uh, the object of the fall, the only thing that was affected by the fall was us. No. The whole earth was affected by it. The physical earth, the rocks, the mountains, the water, the air, everything, all of it was affected by the fall. God said to Adam, you, the ground is cursed because of what you did. And because of what you did, it will produce thistles and thorns and weeds and you will have to work and sweat by your brow in order to bring forth food for you to eat. And it's because of what you did. It has The sin that has come into the world has affected the earth itself. The creation is subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And it is waiting, eagerly waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. That is, for the final time when God's people are going to be redeem, fully redeemed. That is, not just their spirits, but their bodies as well. Listen to what he says some more. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Listen, that's exactly what you and I are looking for. Are we not? I mean, let's face it. We, we're born and we begin to die. I just had a birthday yesterday. <laughs> that number keeps getting bigger all the time. And I know that it only gets so big and then it, you know, it, you know what's next. And I... And I try hard and I exercise and I do all those things that, you know, I, and sometimes I was telling Tim, you know, boy, this last week coming to, coming to VBS and doing, you know, your, your time, everything changes and you, and you just get, you get sloppy and careless about how you eat and, you know, what you do and everything else. And, and I got to get, I got to get back, man. I got to, I got to, you know, I got to stop doing that because it affects me. It's my body. My body's decaying. But I know that I'm going to get a good body, a perfect body, an eternal body one day. And, and I know that that's coming. But the earth is looking for the same thing. The earth, the creation itself, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The earth itself will stop seeing decay at that same time when the sons of God are revealed and they no longer have bodies that decay. The earth will no longer decay and the creation itself is looking forward to that. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. See, that's it. We're eagerly awaiting our adoption as sons, which is equated to the redemption of our bodies. Now, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, see, the Spirit is in us. The Spirit is in us and it is testifying that we are children of God. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, but inside us we groan inwardly because we... we we know there's something better for us awaiting. We know that it's better. We, we enjoy life and we, and you know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I'm going to go to heaven. I just don't necessarily want to go today. I, you know, I, you know Sam, I'm just being honest with you. I want to go to heaven, but I don't necessarily want to go today. But I know that that time is coming. 
Paul writes in another place, in Ephesians chapter 1, he says this, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. You see, the Holy Spirit that you have is a down payment to you saying, you have the Spirit of God and this is your guarantee, this is your down payment until the inheritance takes place. Until redemption takes place. The Holy Spirit is that guarantee. And we have that Spirit within us. We have that Spirit. It is testifying to us. And inside, I guess we groan a little bit more the older we get. Because as our, the, the more our bodies decay, the more we look forward to that perfect body. I know, I know particularly, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Shank in the last few years, uh, you know, where even though he was able to drive and he was able to, you know, care for himself for the most part, uh, he, he started to slow down. You could, you could tell, we could tell that he was, he was slowing down. There were some things about his heart that, you know, and he, he was having some congestive heart failure and, and, and some of those other things that were going on in his, in his body that were slowing him down. And he loved songs about heaven. He, he loved songs about heaven because he knew that that body he was in couldn't last forever. It just wasn't going to last forever. And he didn't know whether he was going to live till Jesus came back. That wasn't the point. The point was he loved songs about heaven. Why? Because the Spirit just kept telling him. There's something better than this. There's something better than this. The Holy Spirit, this, I'm your down payment. I'm the guarantee. I'm, I'm the one that's telling you. I'm here because I'm the guarantee. I'm the deposit of what is really going to come. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If the, if the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit brings this much joy and satisfaction to our lives. Imagine what it will be when we get the whole boatload. What it will be like when we get there and we're in the presence of God in, in His holiness and in His beauty and in His majesty. What will it be like? Well, the Bible says that no eye hath seen and no ear has heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. And then Paul, uh, John writes in 1 John 3, he says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Imagine what that means. Let's think about that. Let the idea that you are a child of the living God just let it run through your mind. Let it, let it do its work in there. He said, that, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now, now, now we are the children of God. Now, right now, we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We eagerly await the adoption. The creation is waiting for the re revelation of the adoption of God's sons so that, they, that the earth too can experience the complete restoration from decay that the children of God will experience when they are revealed. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? We have an experience that we're still hoping for. We're still living in the hope part. And it's not hope in, I hope, I hope this happens. It is in the full assurance that it's going to happen and I can't wait until it does. That's what it means. 
Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for the adoption. We wait for the redemption. We wait for it patiently. And the reason we can do that is because the Spirit of God is living in us, testifying to us that we are the children of God, testifying to us and telling us that the adoption is coming, testifying to us that we are the children of God and that it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we but we know that we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We know that. That's the hope. We wait for it patiently by the Spirit of God. The Spirit that lives within us. Listen. In the same way, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Folks, i got to tell you, there is a difference, there is a difference between what I think I need and what God knows I need. Hello? There is a difference between what I think I need and what God knows I need. And it, it is reflected in how I pray. My prayers will reflect what I think I need. The Spirit helps me with that weakness. <laughs> the weakness that we're speaking about here is that I think I know what I need and His help to that weakness is that He knows exactly what I need and He prays for me instead of praying what I think I need. He prays for exactly what I need. And you'll, we'll see how this interweaves with the latter part of the, the chapter as we go on the next time. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself, the Spirit that lives within us, the Spirit of God that is testifying to us that we are God's children, He's praying for my needs. He's praying for my needs because He knows what I need. He doesn't think about what I want. This isn't about my happiness. This is about my joy. This is not about making me feel good. It's about what I need to live. My weakness is that I look around me and I see my experience, I see my situation, I see what's going on, and I go before the Father and I say, Oh God, change this. Oh, God, move this mountain out of my way. Oh, God, do, do this, do that. And the Spirit's going, Father, He doesn't need that mountain moved. He needs to learn how to climb. And He intercedes with, for us with groans that words cannot express. He does it in such a way that the Father hears. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the, the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. See, he, God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I, the longer we are on this path, this journey with God, let me just, let me just say this. And I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound too harsh and I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound at all judgmental, but I, I got to tell you something the longer that we're on this journey 
in our walk with God. I believe that our prayers need to become more and more and more and more in line with the will of God. I think they will naturally become that way if we are sensitive to the work of the Spirit. You see, Jesus said to His disciples, He said, he said this, if my word abides in you, and you abide in me, you can ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. In other words, I believe that you and I, and I've said this to you before, I'm just going to say it again because it just bears to be repeated, and we need to hear it every now and then to be reminded. We need to learn to pray the Word of God. We need to become familiar with the Word of God, and then we begin to pray the Word of God. If the Bible says this, then, then pray that. Pray the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to be saturated in your, or let your prayers be saturated with the Word of God, because when you're praying the Word, you are praying the will of God. And if for some reason you miss the boat, some reason in, your, in, in our weakness, in our weakness, we miss the boat. Let's just face it, we do. We should do it less and less the, lo the longer we're in the journey, but we, we, we're human beings and we're weak and we make mistakes and, and, and God understands that and, and the Spirit, the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Father, this is what He needs. This is what she needs. This is what they need as a group. The Spirit. The one who testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God is the Spirit that is in the business of interceding for us in accordance with God's will when our weakness comes through and we pray for the wrong thing. Next time we're together, we're going to talk about an attitude adjustment that comes in the latter part of Romans chapter 8. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Spirit. Thank You for our adoption as Your children. We are Your children right now, according to Your Word, right now. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are Your children right now. But our redemption and our adoption is not totally complete until you complete the change in our bodies that comes at the final resurrection. And we thank You for that hope that lies within us. That hope that comes. Thank You for that hope that the Spirit testifies to us each and every day. That that is coming. The Spirit is the deposit and the guarantee that that is going to happen some point, someday. And with that, we live in hope. And we thank You for, that, for the Spirit who helps us in our weakness and helps us to pray. When we don't pray and ask for the right thing, when we, when we get selfish, when we start to pray for things we want instead of things that we need. Thank You for the Spirit that steps in and helps us with that. We need that help all the time. We need it right now. So I just pray, Lord, I pray for each and every person here that we will learn to trust the Spirit to pray for us in accordance with Your will. And that what we receive at Your hand is Your will for us. For if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father <clears throat> 
give good gifts to his children. Lord, as we leave this place today, we thank you for how awesome you are in allowing this church to be involved in so many ministries. Once again, we thank you for the ministry this past week of Vacation Bible School and the lives that were touched through it. But we also thank you on a daily basis, Lord, for the, the lives that are being touched through the daycare, the families that are being impacted by that. And we thank you, Lord, for the changes that have come and have been made in the staff. Lord, you've been working and, and you have provided in a, in a powerful way. We know, Lord, as those, <clears throat> those new relationships are built and we just know that this is going to be a, an even better place. We thank you for it. We thank you for our missionaries, Lord, for Todd and Shelley and for Chris Garrison. We just pray for them in their respective countries. Lord, they're serving you and they're reaching out to to different cultures, different nationalities, with the same message, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And we know, Lord, that they are having an impact and we thank you and we just continue to pray for them as we do every week because they tell us your prayers are so important and we just want to be faithful to that and ask you, Lord, to continue to use them in a mighty way. We thank you for the e-prison ministry. Lord, we thank you for the lives that are being changed and the new programs and the new things that are going to be coming about. And Lord, we just pray that you will work in a mighty way in the lives of people who come in contact with the prison ministry. Lord, we just continue to pray that lives will be eternally changed. They are being, and we ask it to continue. We pray for the work at the Transitional Center. We ask you, Lord, to continue to work through us in that. We thank you for that opportunity. We pray for Love Serves. We, Lord, we know that a, a new mission trip just left, to, left yesterday. And Lord, we just pray for them as they go. May they accomplish, physically accomplish all that they need to. But Lord, for the spiritual accomplishments in the lives of people, we pray that your spirit has already gone ahead and is working in those lives so that they will be receptive to the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Take us from this place with our heads held high because we are children of the living God. And his spirit is alive and in us. And he is continuing and he will complete the good work that he started and he will continue to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.